Welcome to the Building the Elite Podcast, where we discuss the physical, mental, and emotional aspects of human performance within military special operations by looking at the principles that can help anyone thrive in chaotic and challenging environments. One of the key principles of leadership within special operations is leading from the front. Through this lens, leadership brings greater responsibility, not more privilege. If you're in charge, you carry more weight to take care of your team, and you don't ask your team to do things that you wouldn't be willing to do yourself. This is reflected not only during missions, but in one's everyday actions. Often in these small day-to-day moments, we see people's true character and capacity for leadership revealed. The idea of leadership from the front is related to a more general concept of selflessness in supporting the team and the mission. For enlisted guys who aren't in charge of anyone else, it plays out with the mantra, team gear, my gear, me, which sets the priority of your attention between operations. Being a team player is one of the components you're being evaluated on during soft selection. I got mine is a derogatory term to describe somebody who takes care of themselves before their team. So, at least for those who pass the job interview that is soft selection, Even though each person might be cold, wet, tired, and hungry, the first thing you do is take care of the collective needs of the team, followed by your personal gear, and then finally yourself. This scope expands further for officers with a broader range of responsibilities. For instance, Pete Blaber, a former U.S. Army Delta Force commander, summarized his leadership priorities as the mission, the men, and me. As a Navy SWIC and a private security contractor working in East Africa, and later for the State Department in Iraq, I saw many examples of leadership principles, some good, some bad. For instance, my first boss in my SWIC detachment, Brian, taught me a lot, by example, about being a good leader. One example of this concept that always stuck out in my mind came from one of my first deployments when we had a daily example of both aspects of this same principle. Leadership from the front contrasted with leadership from the nearest source of air conditioning and snacks. We'd spent several weeks running maritime interdiction operations, basically tracking small boats around the ocean and catching up with them in the middle of the night, and we had to cover a large expanse of ocean. To help us cover more ground, we would hoist our boats onto a large navy ship which would transport us a few hundred miles toward our next objective. The pace of the missions we had been doing was relentless, and we'd been getting two to three hours of sleep most nights. As enlisted men, our sleeping quarters were at the very bottom of the ship, right above the heat of the engines. The air conditioning was broken, and the fumes from paint, oil, and whatever else was on the ship drifted down, making the air stagnant and stiflingly thick. Sleep was impossible, so at night, if we got in from the water before sunrise, We'd take sleeping pads and hammocks up to the ship's deck and sleep there until people started working at around 6, and then the area's overbearing heat and humidity became too much to sleep through. Our detachment at that time was being led by a guy who did not ascribe to the the lead-from-the-front ideal. The Fleet Navy, in other words, the non-special operations regular Navy, is by tradition big on hierarchy. There it's much more common to find the inverse of the lead-from-the-front principle, where higher rank or more authority simply means more privilege. In practice, they're big on having separate dining and living quarters for enlisted personnel and the officers and senior enlisted people. 
our chief at the time, aka our boss, and a senior enlisted man, was all about this idea. In this sense, he was a rarity, and the type of guy who was eventually filtered out of the community. If nothing else, he provided a good source of contrast. This chief had selected a small berthing for himself a few levels above ours with air conditioning and a fan over each rack. Small things, but in suffocating heat, they're a big deal. We seldom saw him, except on the boats during our missions or when he dropped by to give us orders. On the second day on the ship, we picked up several SEAL team guys, led by an officer named Lieutenant Dan Knossen. They got to our berthing and began the somewhat futile task of selecting the racks with the fewest stains on them. Just then, our chief came down and spoke to Knossen. Hey, uh, I've got a different berthing up here for senior enlisteds and officers. Our chief glanced around our quarters. These guys wouldn't mind the extra space. Knossen looked at him, then tossed his bag on the rack in front of him. F*** that, he said. I'm staying right here. Those were the only words Lieutenant Knossen ever said about that. He preferred to let his actions speak for him. He made sure that if the guys below him in rank were doing something miserable, he would be right alongside them. The enlisted galley, that's Navy talk for a cafeteria, always reminded me of something from a prison movie. It was a big, open space, crowded with long lines of tired-looking people in identical blue uniforms, shuffling along as food was slopped onto their trays. In contrast, the officer's mess had padded booths, the ever-sought-after air conditioning, and a menu that a lackey pushing a dessert cart presented. Our chief would eat alone in the officer's mess while the rest of us stood in line in the galley. The day after Lieutenant Knossen and his SEAL team guys arrived, I looked behind me in line to see him standing there with a tray, waiting. In front of him were the enlisted team members under his command. This continued for the entire time that Knossen was on the ship. Not only did he eat with us, but he was always last in line. For Dan, this went beyond crappy food and sleeping in a foul-smelling swamp room. He had to manage relationships with those above him in the chain of command as well, and there were at least a handful of officers on the ship who weren't happy that some junior officer was making them look bad. These guys, who probably used the phrase, respect the rank, not the man, on a regular basis, placed considerable pressure on him to stop living and dining with the enlisted men and to take his place in the air conditioning next to the dessert cart where he was supposed to be. He did not. Quartering with the grunts and standing at the end of the mess line are small gestures, but they speak volumes about a person's character and integrity. We felt an incredible level of trust and respect for Knossen. After working with him for much of the deployment, we would have immediately done anything he asked. If we saw him working on something when we had time off, we'd ask him what we could do to help. We often think of leadership, particularly in the world of special operations, as manifest in the form of some big heroic act. That can be the case. The military is full of those examples. Later in his career, Dan provided some of those too. But far more often, a person's character is revealed in the small moments and situations that will never find space in the trailer of an action movie. For instance, one of the places we see it regularly in our clients is with new parents. Life is still happening for those on their way into or actively a part of special operations, and we often find ourselves working with somebody taking on the role of a parent for the first time. 
One of the concepts we discuss with them is that the same principles of leadership and teamwork they know from their training in the soft world apply to caring for a newborn and your spouse during those first few months of parenthood. When you're exhausted and hungry, you take care of your partner before you take care of yourself. You bring them food before you've eaten. You see if you can give them a break before you take one. Not surprisingly, our clients who do well in their training for special operations also understand the application of this concept at home. That's probably because it stems from the same fundamental character that they have, regardless of where they are. If you're on the younger side, children might seem like a world away, but you can still display leadership in your daily life. Find ways to help your friends and family before they ask. Clean up your roommate's mess without mentioning it. Help others at the gym or put away equipment that was left out. Do the little things when no one is looking without expecting anyone to notice. Become the person you want your leaders to be. I seldom saw Lieutenant Kanasan again after that deployment. Several years later, I heard he was on another deployment in Afghanistan. On September 8, 2009, Kanasan, by then a lieutenant commander, was leading his platoon on a patrol. He stepped on a pressure plate, and the explosion ripped much of his lower body apart. His teammates gave him immediate care and saved his life. He ultimately needed six tourniquets to stop the bleeding from his femoral arteries before he was evacuated on a helo. The helo pilot stayed in the air until he was down to one minute of fuel to get Kanasen out. He was flown to Germany and then to the Naval Medical Center in Bethesda. His legs had to be amputated below the knee and he had an open-book fracture of his pelvis and extensive deep tissue and internal damage in his lower body. Eventually, those amputations had to be moved above the knee. Shortly after he arrived in Bethesda, another wounded SEAL who had been shot in the face in Iraq in 2007 posted a note on Lieutenant Commander Knossen's door. Attention. To all who enter here, if you are coming into this room with sorrow or to feel sorry for my wounds, go elsewhere. The wounds I received, I got in a job I love, doing it for people I love, supporting the freedom of a country I deeply love. I am incredibly tough and will make a full recovery. What is full? That is the absolute utmost physically my body has the ability to recover. Then I will push that about 20% further through sheer mental tenacity. This room you are about to enter is a room of fun, optimism, and intense rapid regrowth. If you are not prepared for that, Go elsewhere. Kanasen fulfilled that recovery promise. He was fitted with prosthetic legs, regained his ability to walk and then run, and now represents the U.S. Paralympic team in biathlon and cross-country skiing. The man he was before that IED is still the man he is today. After graduating from Harvard University with two degrees in 2015, he's gone on to win seven medals in the Paralympics, two gold, four silver, and one bronze. Aside from remaining a competitive athlete, Dan is now a consultant and keynote speaker. He talks about leadership, motivation, and mental strength for audiences worldwide. Few people in the world are better qualified to speak about those things. You can learn more about him at dankanasen.com. Kanasen is spelled C-N-O-S-S-E-N. -S -S -E 